Hi, I'm Heather Knight, and this is the Surviving to Thriving podcast. One in four women will experience severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. We're going to discuss the taboo topic of domestic violence and the tools our thrivers have used to succeed in life. We want you to know that you are not alone in this fight. Please keep listening if you or anyone you know has been impacted by domestic violence. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Night Protection Services for making this podcast possible and all the support they provide our cause. Other than so, like you, you've cleared out your space, you've cleared out this. What did you do, right? Did I'm I'm assuming you didn't just stare at the walls and you know magically fix everything that happened. So what? Other than obviously not watching TV, not scrolling the internet. What What did you do to kind of rebuild that? So for me, that entire process looked like it was a big cell, like rediscovery. Who the heck was I? And because I had had so much of my self-confidence and my self-esteem pulled out of me, it was, so what, what do I enjoy? Like, what do I love to do? And so, um, it was one of those things I would literally, I would come home and I would just say, if I could do anything with myself right now, that's not, you know, zoning out on TV, that's not scrolling mindlessly through social media. If I could just do one thing for myself tonight, what would that be? And then silence. And whatever that thing was, I went out and I did it. So if the first thing that came up was, you want to go take a walk with your dog? I'd grab her leash. We'd go out and I'd go and find a trail and we'd enjoy nature. If it was, you want a bubble bath, well, then I'd go and I'd take myself, you know, to a bubble bath. If it was, you should go to bed early or you should paint your toenails or whatever it was. It didn't matter how stupid. It didn't matter how pointless. It didn't matter what it was. Like one night uh, when I asked myself that question, it was, you should go to at home and just like walk around and dream about what what your dream apartment would look like, right? Like you've got this apartment, so now you get to decorate it however the heck you want. You don't have to worry about like balancing your feminine taste with his masculine taste. If you want a hot pink comforter on your bed, you go get that hot pink comforter. (laughs) See, I'm the exact opposite. I'm like, uh, we're having this and you have no say in it. (laughs) Here's your man cave. You can decorate that. I've got the house. Luckily that works for us. (laughs) It it was just going through all of those little things. Like, what do I enjoy? What do I want to try? And, you know, I found out there were some things that I really don't like to do. One night I thought, okay, I'll go for a run. You know what I really hate? Running. (laughs) Didn't take me long to figure it out, but at least I tried. Right. But I honored myself. That was the most important part of the journey was whatever came up. It didn't matter how stupid or ridiculous it was. I honored it because I needed to honor myself. Yeah. Now, are are you the woman that sits at the the window and you're like, why are you running? Is somebody chasing you? Because that's me. (laughs) Like, it's 7 (laughs) a.m. Oh, yeah, a little bit. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I don't don't believe that anybody enjoys running. Like, Mm -hmm you can't enjoy doing that, right? It's something that you're just kind of like, I'm doing it because it's, you know, again, you're honoring yourself. You're, you're, you've made the decision that you're going to go do it, but I don't think anybody enjoys it. Uh, (laughs) I I think think people enjoy like the feeling afterwards, but 
definitely enjoy. Yeah, definitely. So were you part of the John Maxwell team during all of this or did that come later? Oh my goodness. So that actually was a big piece in helping me with really the, some of the professional successes that I had. And also just being surrounded by people who had a lot of similar values that I had, who were in many ways uh, healthy in the way that they were encouraging me uh, and just helping me raise my awareness about who I was, what my capacity was, some of the things like uh, about how my, my mindset was. All of that played in, a, in an immense role. In fact, it was actually one of John Maxwell's speeches that I heard at one of his conferences that helped me see like really why I needed to leave because I really struggled. So I, I, I'm a woman of faith. I happen to be a, a very strong in the, the Christian persuasion, if you will. And so I, I, I made that decision in July and our, our conferences that I go to are in August. And so I was really struggling for a good solid month and a half of like, this is not biblical. God, you know, you, you say that a marriage is between a man and a woman. I said, till death do us part. I made this covenant with you. Like, I, I can't imagine actually going to the attorney and starting this process until you have given me the, the way forward. And John was talking that year about books that he had coming out. And he spent a good hour to an hour and a half talking about this idea of you can't kick the ball and drag the team. And so the analogy that he used is David Beckingham, who's, you know, a pretty famous soccer player. Uh, he doesn't go on the field and kick the ball and then wait for the players on his team to catch up. He's got players on the field who are downfield, who are ready to receive the ball. He's got people in the defense who are ready in case someone, you know, intercepts, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word for soccer. I know it's what it is for football, but in case the other team gets the ball, the defense is ready. Like David Beckingham knows that the goalie is ready to go. He doesn't kick the ball and wait for the team to respond. The team is already on the field where they need to be so that he can do what he needs to do. Same thing with any other major sports player. You know, Michael Jordan didn't run on the court and like just wait for everyone to catch up. Everyone knew where they were supposed to be and they all worked together, even though one person maybe had a skill set that put them out in front of the other players at the team, right? And so he was talking about how if you've got to look at your own team and it's not, he, he, he said blatantly, it's not just your team in, in a professional sense or in your work sense, it's your team in life your friends, your family, your significant others. And you got it. You know, if you're going to be a leader, then you have to talk about how this team is functioning and, and what does your team need to do when they're on the field? What does that look like? What is everyone's role? Where does everyone need to be? And, you know, there's a lot of conversation and communication that goes with that. But uh, he said, you know, if you've got relationships that, that aren't willing to engage in that conversation and they're not willing to be a part of that game and they're not willing to play, then maybe they're not supposed to be on your team. <laughs> Light bulb, right? And then that same conference, I had another angel who was a John Maxwell team member and they weren't even talking to me. It was like a conversation that I overheard at another table at lunch or dinner. And, and they were talking about, uh, it happened to be two people who are in faith-based organizations. I think one of them was actually a minister and they happened to be talking about uh, the prevalence of divorce or something. And, and one of them had brought up about how in John, Jesus explicitly states that 
if the there's someone in a relationship who is having an extramarital affair, then the divorce is considered acceptable and it's the one and only case. And as it turns out, I found out about a month, maybe a month and a half later, that there was something going on with my ex-husband and another woman. And so there was, right? And so both in that same time, I was given exactly what I needed to keep moving forward in the process. All of these different things that have happened that just kind of have put you on this path that just that validation again, and it's healthy validation. That's good validation. That's awesome. So on the John Maxwell team, you are, you speak a lot to um, women and building that leadership with women. I kind of want to dive into that a little bit. How has that journey been going from somebody who doesn't have really that leadership skill in, you know, their personal life professionally, it's a hundred percent there, but then to go and speak and teach that, what was that transformation like and how were, was there, you know, that imposter syndrome? Did you have to deal with that of, well, I can't really lead myself. So how am I going to lead these other people? Or was it kind of like, well, I know I can do this in this part of my life. So it's going to be, I can do it in this other part of my life. Yeah. So what that looks like is I, as part of almost like a self-protection mechanism, when I had joined the John Maxwell team, I had these two like diametrically opposed pieces of my personality, right? Like I, I like to say I was a hop, skip and a jump away from maybe having multiple personality concerns uh, because I had come, I had been, I had mastered the art of compartmentalizing to a point where it was just, it's not healthy. It's not a healthy way to live. And so the, there was this compartment of professional Angie, right? So I could get up on, on a stage or I could get up in front of a room of people and I could talk about being a professional leader. And, and there, I will say there was imposter syndrome because when you go out on stage in any way, shape or form, your whole self is coming with you. It's not just professional Angie who's coming with you. It's the whole kit and caboodle. So I've got professional Angie who's speaking, who looks like she can be really, really put together and knows what she's talking about. And I had the credibility and, and you know what, I will, I will honor that piece of Angie, that compartment of Angie back then. She really did know her stuff. And then there was also that other compartment who would be sitting in the background, like, yeah, but <laughs> right. The process of merging those two pieces uh, really came in stepping back. So I actually stepped back from speaking and training for a couple of years and uh, started working in a corporate position just because I really needed to take care. I mean, I needed to put me first. I needed to take care of myself. But the, the beauty in what happened as I started reemerging and I started reemerging with this whole, you know, I wasn't compartmentalizing anymore. I had started owning my story. I was owning what I had gone through. And it actually, since starting that reemergent process in the last year or two, have found myself in a very, very different professional place because I was going back to the, the same places where I had been successful. And it was one of those, you know, you're good, but we just don't like vibe with, with what you're doing. And so what I ended up finding out is 
because I had done so much work in integrating the story and integrating myself and making sure that I wasn't compartmentalized is now I'm speaking about women's empowerment through their personal and professional journeys. And so I, I work more with women who feel like they have to compartmentalize or they're just starting their journey. I work a lot with people in their young 20s who are trying to figure out what's what's happening in their life. And I'm finding myself kind of just how, how you and I ended up together. Like I just find myself in these opportunities where I'm speaking to audiences of women who have maybe gone through this kind of trauma. And, and, and so when I talk about leadership, I'm not just talking about prof- professional and talking about leading, leading your own world. Right. And so you, you, you're leading your world and, and leading your world means leading who you are on the inside as much as it is leading what's going on outside of you and all of the things that come with being a leader. And sometimes what you're leading on the outside has to do with your professional career. I love helping women in, in entrepreneurship or in their, their corporate journeys. You know, I feel like if you want to be a, a wicked courtroom whatever, you know, you want to be the next Ruth Bader Ginsburg girlfriend. Let me help you get through that law firm. (laughs) Like I'll do it. If you want to be the next Rachel Hollis and be a millionaire mogul of your own business girlfriend, I'm there to help you. If you want to be the like master mama of your household and you just want to be the best woman chain, you know, raising world changers 24 seven girlfriend, I'm all for it and helping you be a leader. If you want to do a little bit of all of it, let's talk. (laughs) So, but that's really where I've been so fired up is, is helping more with that whole idea of integrating the story and recognizing, as I said in my bio, that your story, there's part of your story that you've already written. And that story has been given to you for a reason. And you're also currently writing your story and deciding what's going to happen, you know, setting the foundation for your next layer of your future. So how do you use both? I love that. That's awesome. So you're, you're back with the John Maxwell team and you're back teaching and speaking and, and doing all of that. How has that impacted and helped you thrive today? So interesting when I think about, cause I've always loved what I've done, <laughs> but the, the way that I'm doing it, uh, it feels so much different today than it did back then. For one, um, you know, back then I was hustling and grinding because I felt like I needed to prove something. And today I hustle and grind because there's someone I need to help or, and I don't even want to say the word need because need implies that there's something that needs to be filled. It's something that I get to do, right? It's something that, and and maybe need is the right word and not in the sense that I need to fill something that's not there. It's that I need I need to do it because it's something that's so much bigger and beyond me that not doing it would be a disgrace to that higher power that made sure that I survived those days between the back of the ambulance and the doctor's office when I could have very well had a stroke. That's amazing. So we are getting close to uh, way over time, but that's okay. I love talking. Um, But we have a few questions that we ask every guest that comes on the show. So the first one is, what are you working on now and what are your goals for the next 12 months? So my goals for the next 12 months is I have been working on developing a couple of these programs. So working through my story and developing these half day and one day workshops that I am going to be doing with women in smaller or larger groups and, and just kind of playing around with some of the different implementation models. Um, so one of them is called Living Rich. It's about living life like you're always eating a dark chocolate cake. Yeah. 
doing that, right? And so kind of that idea of uh, going back to where I was talking about before, you know, living rich doesn't mean just making a lot of money doing what you're doing. You've got to enjoy it. You've got to savor it and in all those pieces. Uh, and then the other one that I've been working on is called Find Your Fight, which is about the things that I used to go through that dark period of my life between college and the divorce uh, to come out on the other side. And, and what is it that you need on a daily basis when you feel like you just can't do it one more day, but you've woken up, which means you got to. The next one is what would the new you say to the old you? The first thing that me today would say to me all those years ago would be girlfriend. Thank you. <laughs> Cause she made a lot of choices and things that maybe didn't make sense at the time or things that people didn't understand. And every step that didn't make sense put me in exactly the perfect position for what I needed to do next. So I'm grateful that old me was bold, that she was courageous, that she tried. And gosh darn it, she was a strong little fighter. That she's, I mean, I still am, right? But like, honoring the fact that yes, I felt weak, but gosh, darn it. My weakest. That's when I had to be at my strongest, you know, it's really easy. Maybe not in 2020. Let's pull 2020 out of that. It's not a, it's not a thing where it's going to be just removed from history. <laughs> right. Uh, maybe in, in other times, but when life felt easier uh, and even still, you know, even 2020 has not felt nearly as awful as some of those earlier years, you know, the reason that I feel the way that I feel today is because of the choices that old me made back then. Yeah. And so and I'm eternally grateful. And the other thing that I would tell her is girlfriend, I know it sucks today, but I promise you it's worth it on the other side. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, you know, uh, every day I'm like, people ask, you know, the, that question of like, what's like one thing you regret in life? And I'm like, I don't have regrets. I have mistakes that I learned from, but if you go through life regretting everything that you did, then your future's not going to be bright. It's just gonna, you're going to always be living in the past instead of trying to look forward to the future. And, you know, your circumstances may have sucked in life at, you know, at any point, but it wouldn't make you who you are today if you didn't go through the things that you went through. Mm -hmm. So 100% agree with that. And the next one is, what is something you can recommend to our listeners to help them through a difficult time? So for me, again, I mentioned earlier, I'm a woman of faith. So um, I think the, the thing that connects you to your higher power, for me, I did a lot of reading of the Bible and studying of the Bible and surrounding myself with a faith-based community. I recognize that everyone who listens to this podcast may not be of a Christian choice, and that's fine, but finding something that connects you to that higher source is such a huge, I think, a huge benefit. And if you're not sure what that higher source is, then um, start looking and researching and, and, and finding what resonates with your soul and with your spirit. Because when you look at everything that's happened in, in, in just like, creation, right? There are too many things that happen by coincidence when a billion any of any other things could have happened to believe that that one thing happened. It's the one thing that needed to exactly happen to create what happened. Like there is something much bigger than us. And so, you know, whether that's a, a Christian faith or maybe it's another 
another faith-based community, um, steer into it and steer it into people that have the same sort of values as you do. Um, another kind of more concrete uh, book, I guess, that you could, uh, that I use a lot is The Four Agreements. Um, not sure if you're familiar with that one, but that was a huge piece in my understanding what I could control and what was out of my control and um, really breaking down any time that I felt like I was suffering or any time that I felt like things weren't going right, I would go back to that and I would say, so which of these four agreements am I not living into? Nice. I, I like that. Um, what is a, another book, podcast, ebook, quote, or anything that has helped you overcome adversity? Yeah. So we talked about a couple of those. Uh, if I'm going to give another book, um, one that was really a huge game changer for me was a book called Intentional Living, which is by John Maxwell. You know, it's it's one of those for me when I was coming, I, I actually read that in the year leading up to my getting divorced. And what it helped me as far as preparation was um, when when you let life happen to you, you're always a victim of your circumstances. When you take control of your life, whatever that looks like, and you're intentional by using today to prepare for tomorrow and, and a number of other principles that he talks about in that book really gave me a sense of self-empowerment and self-confidence that I needed to have in order to make the move forward. Nice. Yeah, that that's an amazing book. It's definitely one that if you haven't read it, you should. And then finally, where can our listeners find you or reach out to you if they want to learn more about you? Awesome question. So you can find me on Facebook. Uh, you can find me, uh, Angie, A-N-G-I, no E. Um, <laughs> CNCC, and I'm sure it's gonna, it'll be written somewhere because it's a complicated last name. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can also find me on Instagram, Andy, uh, Angie under, oh my gosh, underscore uh, defend your dreams. And then you can also find me at my website. Uh, right now, I primarily use the one for my John Maxwell affiliation. And so that is uh, johnmaxwellgroup.com backslash Angie Sanson. Awesome. Angie, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with our audience and um, bringing your expertise into it as well. I really enjoyed our conversation. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really grateful. And I hope for the listeners who are listening, uh, I hope that you took something away from this today and I am thinking about you and I am sending you all the love, hope and good vibes for your journey. I know wherever you are in this journey, there's so much more ahead of you. And so I look forward to in some way, shape or form. <laughs> celebrating that with you, whether it's personally or in spirit. If you or anyone you know has been victimized by domestic violence, please reach out to us for resources and ways our organization can help you. You can find us on social media at 2thrivingatl, T-O thriving ATL, or online at 2thriving.org.